Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now back to Willard and Dibs. Take it away, Mark. All right, Steph, you take it away. Can you go please put this team on your back and go get some W's? I mean, here this is the other thing that's really scary to put a little quick ball on the Warriors situation. Now they got to go on the road for five games. How's it feel like they're going to do? 0-5, Mark. <laughs> Seriously, if I put the over-under on wins on this road trip at a half, there's a healthy conversation. Nah, it's there's a couple of... You think they're definitely going to win a game? I Well, San Antonio is trying to lose, and that's a win. <laughs> Phoenix wasn't trying to lose last night? Phoenix I mean, is playing hard. They're Phoenix playing gave hard. you their best punch, Mark. <laughs> And you don't want to take on Phoenix's third yeah, string. You're right. We don't want any of that spot. smoke. No, no. You don't want any part of D. Washington so or Jay Landale. I mean. Or D. Lee. Good Lord, D. 14 of 14, 14 from of 14. the line. He was good, man. He's one of the top three-point shooters. The top corner three-point shooter in the game this year. Who the hell saw that coming? I heard Slater. Slate. Thank you. On with uh, the morning roast, and he made a really good point. He's like, look. They, they essentially said in the playoffs last year, we're going to let Damian Lee go and let Moses Moody take that role, and not a sane person on the planet would have disagreed with them at that time. Damian Lee went out there in the playoffs and couldn't function. We were screaming at our television sets, get him the hell out of here. Moody comes in, he does well, and you're like, okay. So of course they're going to let him go. But then how's that look last night? Damian Lee puts the game away while Moses Moody can't even get into the game? DNP. Oh, that's a tough look. That's a tough look. Um, but for instance, uh, Otis Bird, one of our uh, faithful YouTubers, just said about the road trip, hopefully three and two. Do you realize that if the Warriors do that, they will match their road win total for the whole season on this road trip? I don't think that's realistic. I mean, a back-to-back in Boston and Cleveland, do they have a chance to win either of those games? I get a chance to win one of them, yeah. They do? Absolutely. Doesn't feel like it. Every time this Warrior team goes up against a team where we think they don't have a chance, they win that game. But not on the road. That's also true. All of those have been at home. When they beat Boston, when they beat Memphis. Memphis on Christmas, yeah. All of those games have been at home. Not once. At San Antonio is a win. At Chicago and Washington and back-to-backs, they'll win one of those. And then it's a question of can they beat Boston or Cleveland. I got the over-under on this road trip at two and a half. Yeah, I mean, I think that, I think as long as you can get two, I'd almost take it. 
You come back two and three, you're only two games below 500. Think about what you're saying right now. I know, but I Listen to the words that are coming out of your mouth. I'm talking about a 20 and 21 basketball team. Why wouldn't I say that? And you're talking about a three and 17 team on the road. Worst road record in the whole league. Worst road record in the history of the association Mm -hmm. of a team following up a championship. And you giving them a win Friday night in San Antonio, you shouldn't do. That is not a cakewalk. At all. Oh, it's a gimme. It's an NBA game on the road. Oh, they and, stink. And they're doing that whole Alamo Dome bajillion people are going to be there. There'll be some sort of different energy in the building. They're trying to set a record. They're but right. It doesn't necessarily mean that uh, San Antonio is going to have home court advantage. The Spurs, they stink. Yeah, they do. They do. Uh, right. And on the road, the Warriors... Hmm. They stink. Yeah, they also stink. It's my exactly. shiny voice. Yeah, exactly. So, all right. Um, 888-957-9570. KJ Wright is 25 minutes away. So, I got two Brock Purdy. Two Brocks. Oh, inside. inside. Uh, this stretch here on 95.7 The Game. Um, first. Two Brock Chalk. Nice. Trader Joe's. <laughs> Remember when Two Buck Chuck came out? It was like, oh my God, it was get a thing. bottle of wine for two dollars. This is crazy. And you know what? It's halfway decent. Yeah, it's not bad. And then you get about seven you bottles sh- of it. You show up to a party now, and there's like twelve bottles of Two Buck Chuck, and they're like, look, we put a party together for twenty five dollars. You're like, oh God, that's <laughs> yeah. I'll have here. water. Yeah, seriously, <laughs> like, well, what are you doing? So anyway. Um, <laughs> There's a couple Brock things. Let me let me start with this, and then we'll get to the second one, which is sort of a continuation of what happened on uh, the changeover with Steinie and Goo yesterday, whether or not Brock Purdy is the most important 49er on the field, because Steinie's making this point, like the Niners have found the magic elixir. They're telling the whole NFL they're the only team in the NFL who doesn't have the quarterback as the most important player on the field. And I'm driving around going, no, wrong, incorrect. So we started that conversation yesterday. I got some more information. We can continue that conversation today. But what about this? Could Brock Purdy just be a flash in the pan? We already know all the people to which we compare him um, now. What do you mean by flash in the pan? Like he has a like, he has a five or six game run here, right. and then he goes back to being Mister Irrelevant, and he's really the third stringer that we always thought he like was. Like what you're seeing right now isn't real. It's just a guy on a heater, and he's going to calm down. I think that's everyone's deep dark fear. Their fear is is that the slipper doesn't fit. And it's going to come out on Saturday, and it's going to be raining, and Geno Smith's going to look like first-half Geno Smith. Oh, man. Right? And it's going to be like the Raider game, and all of a sudden, it's, oh, gosh, you're down by 10, and now it's raining sideways, and here comes the Chicago PTSD and all this stuff, and the 49ers only score 13 points, and they lose 20-13, to and the whole thing comes crumbling down, and Brock Purdy's actually not what we thought he was. If the slipper doesn't fit, then he must sit. So, that's the nightmare, and you wake up in the cold sweat. Is that possible? So, Absolutely it's possible. I disagree. But is it probable? And of course it's possible. And, I mean, Pete Carroll, the gum chewer, all of a sudden he's got six games of tape, and now all of a sudden you're going to find a way to solve Brock Purdy. It's possible, but I don't think it's probable because of that beautiful laminated play sheet. I am going to go through four players in sports history. Three of them have, uh, in theory, a direct connection to this situation with Brock Purdy. One of them played in a completely different sport. But four players who, in the moment when they came on the scene, you went, 
Where the hell did this come from? What is going on? How on earth is this going to last? Three of the four did not last. They were flashes in the pan. The fourth became the greatest of all time. His name is Tom Brady. So, four players in sports who have something to do loosely with the Brock Purdy situation or simply the idea of a flash in the pan. Let's start with the one who is not in the sport of football. He went by the name Jeremy Lin. There was a nickname for what happened to him. It was called Lin Sanity. It took over New York. Lin is a local guy, has ties and time with the Warriors organization as Palo we know. High. I want to know what you remember from Lin Sanity. How long do you think it lasted? Where did his career go next? All of that stuff. Jeremy Lin, Linsanity in your mind lasted how long? Uh, Linsanity in New York lasted about two weeks. Uh, he went on like a six-game heater. By the way, the uh, I had Jeremy Lin on our show, on our station, and it is the single most widely shared interview in the history of 95.7 The Game. Damn. Jeremy Lin referenced Tim Tebow and their mutual love of God, and the interview got picked up Globally, globally, this interview got shared by the Pope. Millions of, I mean, the the Pope is like, you know, it's like it's pretty good. You know, download the pretty Odyssey app. This is back in the intercom days. Go for a ride in the mobile and get some fresh air. This is a good day. The great Rashid from Warriors World hooked it up for me. Okay, uh, shout out Sheed. The Linsanity run, I believe, was a two-week run in New York, and I think it was a six-game run. It was essentially a two-week run that they call Linsanity. However. What started on February 4th essentially went for the remainder of the regular season with Jeremy Lin being a key piece of what the Knicks were trying to do. However, and I think this was lucky for him and his contractual status, he got hurt on March 24th and never came back. So, it's about six weeks. Linsanity or Jeremy Lin as a thing lasted from February 4th to March 24th, a period of a month and a half. During that run, he had 11 different 20-point games. How many 30-point games do you think Lin Sanity had? Four. One. He had one? One. One 30-point game? 38 against the Lakers, MSG. A lot of people will remember that game. That was it. Huh. Never went north of 30. Again, wow. More than once, and he got a damn nickname out of it. What do you think he averaged from February 4th to March 24th that year? Average points per game. Well, knowing that he only had one 30-burger, which means he probably had a handful of 20s, he probably averaged about 19 a game. 18.4 points per game. Very nicely done. Uh, Even though you overbid, price is right. But But had you asked me those in opposite directions, I would have said he would have averaged 25 a game. Exactly. So over a period of 26 games, he averaged 18.4 points per game, got a dang nickname and a contract out of it, and as we know, essentially was never really heard from again in in terms of being a star in the NBA. He was a flash in the pan. Flash in the pan. Now, let's go to the backup quarterbacks who then win Super Bowls. Let's start with Nick Foles. Your memory tells you... Big slick Nick. He took over in... Sorry, just a quick Wait, did you say Big Slock Brock? Anyway. Something like that. Your memory says he took over when in the regular season? He took over like week 16, I think. He only started two games in the regular season, I think, because Carson Wentz, Wentz, he got hurt. <laughs> so I think Foles played, started two games in the regular year, and then obviously throughout the course of the playoff run that he was undefeated. Yeah, you're very good at this. He started three. 
uh, except for the third one was one of those we don't need it week final week of the uh, of the regular season things, and so uh, they lost to the Dallas Cowboys and and he only played I think a quarter, but the other two starts uh, he won both of them. But listen to some of the numbers now. Nick Foles' run really wasn't that regular season. It was actually the playoffs. Nick Foles in his three starts in the regular season taking the Eagles into the playoffs went two and one. Completing only 56% of his passes. Really? Five touchdowns, two picks, and 200 yards per game. 200. Garoppoloian. 200. Less than Garoppoloian. Easily. 56%? Yeah. That's Garoppolo light. Yikes. Go to the postseason and things got wacky, okay? It just got wacky. 73% completion percentage, 323 yards per game, a 3-0 record with six touchdowns, one pick, and one Philly special. So 3-0, they were the oh, they were a top two they, seed. Yeah. And they two won, teams got to buy. And so, they won the okay. Super Bowl. And they won the Super Bowl. Only three games, though, in the postseason. And then how did Nick Foles' career go after that? I believe it went south, Mark, like a duck flying in the winter. Flash in the pan, yes? Yeah. Okay. Somewhat. I mean, he's he's gotten gigs and he's he started again, but he hasn't done nearly what he did in Philadelphia. Sorry if this hurts 49er fans' feelings. Let's talk about Jeff Hostetler, who came in here and engineered a 15 to 13 victory over the San Francisco 49ers in an NFC title game. Winning ugly. 1990 Super Bowl. Um, here's Jeff Hostetler's run. In the playoffs, 59% completion percentage, three touchdowns, no interceptions. How many regular season games do you think he started for Phil Simms? Ah, Phil Simms. This I think, is going way back Yeah, now. we're going back, back, back. back. Phil Simms, I think, got hurt in about week 11, so I'm going to give Hostetler six games in the regular season. The answer is two. He started two games, won both of them with 156 yards per game passing, and only two touchdowns. Great defense, though, and boy, they could pound the rock. And did not How throw catches pick. for McConkey. Yeah, one and a half. Mark Bavaro. Right, exactly. And as we all know around here, if Roger Craig doesn't fumble, oh boy, we're not even talking about Jeff Hostel too soon because he doesn't go to the uh, Super Bowl. All right, let's go to the uh, the final backup quarterback to Flash win the Super in the Bowl. Pan. Well, his name is Tom Brady. He'll never stick. <laughs> what do you remember? This is the one that really got me. What do you remember about when he took over that year? Well, I remember watching the game when Drew Bledsoe got basically cut in half along the sideline in Foxborough. And I think he either ruptured or severed his spleen. He had, like, organ damage. And I want to say it happened somewhat early in the year. I'm going to say Tom Brady started seven games that first year. Tom Brady took over in week Two. It was that early. It was that early. Okay. Week two, and as we know, he was not a rookie. It was his second year, but he took over. Week two had not really played as a rookie. Uh, they had lost week one, and they lost the game that Tom took over. So they're 0-2 when Tom then becomes the starter, and they end up 11-5. and So he wins 11 of the next 14 games. 64% completion percentage. How many touchdowns do you think he threw? He started now 14, played 14 and a half games. Right. How many TDs? Probably 20. 18. Yeah. 18 because touchdowns. I know they weren't a lighted up offense, and I'm maybe basing this on the tuck game where they had to gut that thing out, but yeah. 
it strikes me as that's the way that whole season went for the Patriots. And I know what a lot of you are thinking, which is that also, especially Hostetler and to a degree Brady, this was a very different NFL that we're talking about that threw the ball a whole lot less. But Tom Brady went 18 TDs, 12 picks, had a very good defense with the Patriots, a quarterback rating of only 86 and a half. And he ends up winning a defensive battle as an underdog in the Super Bowl over the Rams. I think the final score was 20 to 17, something like that. Adam Vinatieri and the legend begins. So what does all that mean for Brock Purdy? When I read all of that, my sense is this. I'm not going to sit here and tell you he's Tom Brady. That would be ridiculous. But is he better than Nick Foles? Yes. And he's better than Jeff Hostetler. And the stats and the history of things like this will tell you he's much more likely to be on a Brady-like track than he is to be on a Foles-like track. So this not only goes to our expectations for these playoffs, but it goes for what the 49ers will want to do next year. And it's going to go to my next point with regard to how good Brock Purdy actually is. If you're not playing the home game, Brock Purdy has played five-plus games. They've won them all. He's already got 13 touchdowns against three interceptions, a quarterback rating of over 107. For reference, Patrick Mahomes... QBR is 105, and he's going to win the MVP. So, multiple touchdown passes in every single start and a completion percentage of 68.3. To do that over a five-and-a-half game span would suggest there is no Foles here, there is no Hostetler here. I'm not saying he's Brady, but this idea that Brock has simply walked in and grabbed the reins of a machine that whirls by itself, I do not find realistic. You don't play a full third of the season, put up these kinds of numbers, and then take the slipper off and fall back to earth in the future. This is a very good player. He's a good player. We don't know how very good he is until he does things that we haven't yet seen. And if you look at... What he's done compared to what Jimmy Garoppolo's done this year in the same system, in the same offense, the numbers are uncannily similar. So Brock Purdy is basically taking what Jimmy Garoppolo did and duplicated it. He's had the exact... Look at his numbers. Injected steroids Completion into percentage it. is almost identical. He's throwing for a little bit more yardage per game. He's had a better array of weaponry than Jimmy Garoppolo most likely has. Mm. And look at me being the guy defending Jimmy Garoppolo here. Multiple but TD passes in every start. He's been better in the red zone, and he's been better at finding George Kittle to be certain. And... You know, you look at the opponents that he's faced. He neither of them has faced that much of a gauntlet of opponents. But I mean, the first we three, don't know the, if Brock Purdy is going to be a flash in the pan until he does it for more than five or six games. The first three games he played were all playoff teams. They, well, right? Facts. Right? Facts. No, great playoff teams. I know none of them are dominant. None of them are very good. Well, but see, but we keep doing this to teams and if we all agree there are only five good teams in the NFL, yeah. then who's actually been tested? Have the Chiefs been tested? Who they beat? They lost well, the to Chiefs Buffalo. The Chiefs have been tested. They've yeah. played tough teams. And they've lost. They lost to Buffalo and they lost to Cincinnati. I'm not here to defend Jimmy Garoppolo They beat the 49ers, but the idea is a fool. But the 49ers are untested. I'm just saying with Brock Purdy, it's too early to dismiss it as a flash in the pan. Now, mm. if you look at the way it's trending, it's definitely trending toward more permanence than it is toward not being permanent. The Hostetler one's an interesting comp because 
if you look at the totality of his career, and I'm looking at his numbers right now, in 1990, he completed 54% of his passes, and they won the Super Bowl. Yeah. He never was above 63%, but at that time, it wasn't the same level of completion percentage as we see now. No, uh, Teams, when you threw the ball, you threw the ball down the field. You didn't check it down like you do nowadays. Hoss Settler's a great comp for what Jimmy did in 2019. Because for those of you who didn't weren't around for 1990, Jeff Hostetler was doing what Jimmy was doing against the Packers. Uh, they handed the ball off. The guy's right. name was O.J. Anderson, and he was a bull. And he took down the, the the Buffalo Bills in the Super Bowl, and to a degree, he helped run out the clock against the 49ers in a 15 to 13 game that set up a game winning field goal at the buzzer that sent me over to Whale Park to shoot hoops for about an hour and a half to meditate. I was so upset as a uh, what was I? I was 15 years old. So anyway, um, Hostetler never had a losing record throughout the remainder of his career with the Giants. With with the Raiders, with Washington, but at the same time, he was throwing for about 180 yards, right. 200 yards a game. So in that way, he is probably more like Jimmy Garoppolo than he is what Brock Purdy could be. I mean, Garoppolo has three, like close to twice as many passing attempts as Brock Purdy this year and has 16 touchdown throws. Brock has 13. Yeah. Three less in just over, in about 60% as many throws. So I get that the completion percentages are similar, but if you've watched 49er football this year, you understand that these completions are not the same. They're, they're, they're just not. Um, he does have a higher average per attempt than Jimmy Garoppolo, and the red zone has been completely different. Yeah. But it's not even that. It, like, I'm not telling you that Brock Purdy's an elite quarterback. I do disagree with something that just came across on YouTube saying if you put Brock Purdy on any other team in the NFL, they don't go to the playoffs. Well, that's a bunch of bull. And that's a bunch of bull. Bro, there's a bunch of NFL teams that Brock Purdy could take to the playoffs. There are a bunch that he couldn't, but this is not. This is the idea I'm trying to dispel. I think a lot of you are cruising around out there going, this is a 49er machine that goes, and all they need is somebody to not mess it up. And so there are a bunch of people that, quarter, that could quarterback this team to the Super Bowl, and I think it's absurd. See, I, I, I disagree totally with that. Totally absurd. And I think that you've seen it from Jimmy Garoppolo to Brock Purdy. And if you took any other quarterback in the NFL and you put them in this system, the majority of those quarterbacks will play better than they play in their own system. Yes, but not this well. Not this well. Well, this is one of those things we and can't quantify. You, you can't tell me if Brock Purdy is in Houston... And Davis Mills is in San Francisco. Is Davis Mills as good here as Brock Purdy is? No. Is Brock Purdy better than Davis is in Houston? Yes. Yes, but Houston's not a playoff team. Right. And the Niners oh, aren't not a playoff team because they have Davis Mills. I'm not here to dispel the 49er roster. I'm not a dummy. I get that they've got a great player seemingly in almost every position. I totally understand that. However, I think it's funny that we spent five years going, Jimmy's not good enough. And then, once he's gone, we're like, well, any old horse can quarterback this team. Well, if that was true, then why are we even looking for a new quarterback at any point? All we need is some horse to go stand out there he's a horse. and hand the ball off to Christian McCaffrey. See, I don't think it's any like, old horse, but I do think that 
what Brock Purdy is doing and you look at what Jimmy Garoppolo did, it does devalue what Jimmy was able to do in some way based on what Brock was able to walk in and do in this system maybe. with this personnel. I mean, maybe in some ways, maybe that's what these playoffs will tell us. Right, like, yeah. I mean, do, does it does it denigrate Jimmy? Does it mean that I mean the open market is also going to tell us something about Jimmy Garoppolo as he goes into a healthy one as a free agent this off season? Uh, quarterback needy teams, I guarantee you, somebody's going to go after Jimmy. They're not going to pay him top of the market. He doesn't deserve that. But I don't know. You know, if Brock runs this thing through and wins four more and does it on the road in Philadelphia and goes toe-to-toe with a Mahomes or an Allen and wins. Now, we're having a completely different conversation. That's not really where I started my point, though. My point is that what you're seeing from Brock Purdy over a five-and-a-half, honestly, six-game span and the numbers that are being turned out because of it are very unlikely to be not real. And I think a lot of people are still not sure. They're still not convinced, and it's based on Largely what you're saying right here, which is some people think that any old horse could stand out there with this roster and win, which is odd to me because this right. this, and roster, not true. this roster was three and four and we were freaking out. 11 weeks ago. Well, Trey Lance would be the example, exhibit A, as to what you're talking about because Trey Lance had the keys to the kingdom. You didn't have Christian McCaffrey, but you had everything else, and this offense was not running at the same level. Now, did Shanahan not give Lance a chance based on the play calling, or was Trey Lance not ready, or a combination of the two? We do know this. Brock Purdy came off the bench as a third stringer, and this offense got better. Those are facts. Scored north of 30 in every game except for the road game on Thursday night at Seattle where he was not expected to even make it through the end. That's it. Scored north of 30. This was the whole narrative at the beginning of the year, which is that the 49ers can't score 30. And yes, McCaffrey's a part of that. But when Jimmy was playing with Christian, they usually get to 30. Do they get 30 on Saturday? Uh, Considering the weather, talk we to can me get about into the weather. weather. Talk to me about weather, and I'm not going to... talk to Steiny about yeah, weather. I'm not going to say that weather should get in the hit way... The pike. Of, uh, <laughs> we did get a good hit the pike yesterday. <laughs> I'm not going to say that weather should get in the way of a 49er victory. It could get in the way of a high-scoring game, right? And the 49ers, if there's weather and they get a two-score lead, they're going to sit. They're going to sit on it, as they should. So, you know, 20 to 3... Yeah, that could happen. If they need to score 30, then yeah, I do think they will. The Seattle defense doesn't worry me one bit. Um, the Warriors do, though, and it's Warrior Wednesday, brought to you by Friedman's Appliance, a trusted name since 1922. Visit com today. K.J. Wright's joining us next. We'll get deeper into this game as the postseason begins now. And the road to Glendale is brought to you by Merrill West Credit Union, working for you today, tomorrow, together. And Willard and Dibbs also sponsored in part by CalHope.org. K.J. Wright joins us next on 95.7 The Game. On 95.7 The Game. All right, let's rock and roll. We're one day closer to what's going to jump on you now. You're going to get to the weekend and do that whole Friday night thing. You're going to wake up and be like, holy hell, the Niners playing a couple hours. Exactly. Like that, this, this thing's going to come at you fast now. Uh, the appetizer game, if you will, which I wonder if the Seahawks are almost taking as a slight. Because let's be honest, we all agreed if it had been the Packers playing the 49ers, this would have been a Sunday game. And I've seen it written in a number of places. The NFL's tucking this in 
first game Saturday because they're not expecting it to be close. So I, I, I wonder. Let's get K.J. Wright, who's played for this team, played for this coach, to jump in, and we'll talk it out a little bit here on Willard and Dibs 95-7 The Game. Good morning, K.J. Thanks for coming on. How are you? Doing well, man. Well, I'm not doing good here in appetizer game and not being close. What, what are we doing here? Yeah, right? I, I, what, what's this all about? This is supposed to be a rivalry game, and the NFL's basically like, eh, whatever. This is going to be a purdy party. Uh, we'll see. If you were on the Seahawks, how would you take the way that this game is being discussed? I mean, as a player, you hear the disrespect. You hear the noise. You hear the outside world saying you can't do this. This team heard that they would be 32 um, before the season started. They heard all that noise. And so I do believe that with Coach Carroll, he's been here. He's done that. He has got to find a way to get these guys' mind right, first of all. And secondly, when you look at this roster on San Francisco, it is loaded. Let's be clearly transparent with that. But where can we attack this defense? How can we attack? This rookie quarterback in our first two, in our first two matchups, we were disastrous running the football, and so I know that San Fran on paper is a really good team, but I do know Coach Carroll, who's done and seen a lot of football, and so I'm looking forward to him finding a way to be creative. And what is that way, KJ, in terms of how you can get to the 49ers, other than trying to pressurize and heat up the rookie quarterback? What can Seattle do offensively to try to put this Niner defense on its heels? I mean, we look at our first two matchups. In the first game, we ran the ball 14 times. Second game, we ran the ball 14 times. That is far from Coach Carroll's philosophy. And what I, what I saw, what we did in those games, that we got away from the run game. We didn't try to keep attacking this San Francisco defense. When you look at you guys' defensive linemen, you guys are in track stances, rushing the quarterback on the way to the run. And so we got to find a way to stay committed to it. we got to find a way to get Kenneth Walker going. If he does not get 20 to 25 carries, it's going to be a long day for the Seahawks. And so it may be ugly early on in the game. The defense may stop him, but I need to see the Seattle Seahawks defense to find a way to create turnovers. I need to find another way to get three and outs. And so both sides have got to play hand-in-hand to, with each other. And so if they come up with that same game plan like they did in those first two games, it's going to unfortunately be another loss. K.J. Wright is with us here on Willard and Dibs. K.J., you've mentioned Pete Carroll. You played for the man. I need you to translate this for me. Take a listen to what he said in front of the media yesterday getting ready for this game. So sunk into the, the being Lions fans, man. We love the Lions. Uh, Coach Campbell did a great job with his crew, and they played a fantastic football game to, to get the win, to give us the chance. So we're going to try to do something with it. Unfortunately, we're playing the Niners, and they're loaded. And they're loaded and healthy and on a roll and about as hot as you could possibly get. And uh, doing it in a really commanding fashion, too, you know, with the young quarterback who's doing so well, just kind of would buck the odds, you know, that everybody would think you could do that. And uh, everybody in the media, anyway. Um, um, we'll see how we how we you know, get our guys back for this weekend. It's coming up quick with the Saturday ball game, and, and uh, uh, we've already started our week, and we're underway. <laughs> KJ, I don't know if you're a hoops fan, but Jason Kidd of the Mavericks did the same thing with the Warriors last year in the playoffs where it was just like, look, we don't even belong in this series. I don't even know why we're arriving. We got no chance to beat this team. You, what's Pete Carroll actually doing here? I'm hoping. This is a case of using reverse psychology. That's, that's the best thing that I could think of because he's sounding very defeated. He's sounding very down. But I do believe that this is the case of hopefully reverse psychology. And um, he, this man is a competitor. He's the most ultimate competitor I ever met. He's optimistic. He's positive. And so 
I do believe he's going to find a way to get these guys going. Regardless of the outcome with the Seahawks, with this team, you got first-time Geno Smith at quarterback playing in his first playoff game. You got about six rookies out there playing their first playoff game. The experience alone is going to propel this team to new heights. You get these guys, you get a taste of this playoff football. You get a taste of everyone's at the house watching us play. And just for these guys to get this experience, I do believe that it will build them to something special going into the future. Geno Smith as quarterback, is he the QB of the future? Is he Mr. Right or is he just Mr. Right now? Ooh, that's a good question. I do believe, yeah, I'm telling you, especially with these quarterbacks in this draft now, Seahawks have the number five pick. A lot of talk has been talked about on C.J. Stroud. When I look at Geno, the man is a pro bowler. He broke a Seahawks record last week. He broke Russell Wilson's passing record, number one in QBR. The name of the game is when you play well, you get paid well. And so I do believe that he's earned himself a two- to three-year deal Hey, Gino, we love what you did. We see you, you know, being a quarterback of this team for the future. But also, let's be transparent. There's some good young quarterbacks coming up. You're going to your 11th season. We still may, we're still going to draft a quarterback for our future. But as of now, you are the guy that can lead it. We don't want to throw a rookie quarterback out there with this roster that we have right now. So he is Mr. Right Now. And I do believe that the Seahawks are going to find a way to extend them for about two to three years. KJ, you're a defensive player. I'm interested in your take here uh, because there's one thing that Brock Purdy, I guess two things in this game that he's never done. He's never played a playoff game and he's never played a team twice. So um, he's been fantastic. There's no way around that. But if you as a defensive player, now having played him before and knowing he's still young, you, you would approach that game and that matchup how? I would approach it as a defensive coordinator differently. I would, you have a rookie quarterback, first time, the elements are going to be bad, it's going to be rainy, it's going to be wet. If I line up as a defense and do the same thing that Brock Purdy has seen on film, then I'm doing my team a disservice. If I come out and run the same quarters, you know, three, four stuff that we run multiple times a game, this young kid is going to figure this out. So what I got to do is I got to throw this man some curveballs. I got to bring a pressure that he's never seen. I got to go either to a zero blitz where there's no safety in the middle of the field. I'm going to go for it and get this quarterback rattled, get this quarterback off the spot. He's surrounded by plenty of weapons, but you got to find ways throughout the game. to. I got to give this man something different that he's never seen before. And so I'm really looking forward to Clint Hurt really trying to rattle this quarterback, giving him new looks. Because if you get out there and do the same thing that he's seen the first the first matchup, Kyle Shanahan is going to put him in position to be successful so there's going to be another explosive play. You mentioned the weather, and if it is foul weather here, if it's a sloppy track, is that something that can be an equalizer? Does that give hope to a heavy underdog? Are, are the Seahawks hoping for a sloppy track in order to try to equalize the footing, so to speak? No. Yeah, we don't we don't need we don't need a sloppy track. We don't need perfect weather. We it is what it is. I know that when we step foot on the football field, both teams are going to have to feel the elements. They're going to have to feel the weather. It's a matter of which team is the most prepared. Which one comes out with the proper cleats, the right gloves. I hope everyone takes off their visors so they can see. And so the Seahawks don't need any extra special elements. They've got to go out there. Coach Carroll, we know what you want to do. We know your philosophy. These guys are going to have to grow up. You have tons of rookies on this football field. Let these dudes grow up. And so it's going to be a cool experience regardless of the outcome. 
But um, on paper, the, the Niners are definitely one of the best teams. Yeah, KJ, I'm hearing everything you're saying from it's it's going to rain to Pete Carroll's philosophy. You've mentioned Kenneth Walker and, 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 and run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. And we know that the, the 49ers don't usually give that up. Josh Jacobs had a good game a couple of, uh, weeks ago, and, and, and that's about it. So philosophically, do, do you think the Seahawks should be trying that more, or do you think that that's just not even an option for them in this matchup? Well, there's no other option. <laughs> there's no other option. When you're, a, when you're a coach or you've done something, your entire career you've done something all season, I'm going to live by this or I'm going to lose by, lose by this. And so can he get creative? Absolutely. Can he do stuff a little different? Absolutely. But at your core, you are who you are as a team. And if you just get outmanned and outmatched, then those are the results you're going to live with. You can't go, come out there and expect to throw this ball 40 to 50 times and think you're going to win the game. That's, that goes against everything in his DNA. And so I need my defense to step up. I need the offense to step up. It's going to take a, a team effort. And so any given Saturday in this situation, Anything can happen. And so I'm really looking forward to the play calling on both offense and defense to see what can we do differently to get these to get these um, Niners teams off track. Are you still sensing that this is a big-time rivalry from the Seattle side? I know Niner fans remember the Richard Sherman and, you know, Turkey on the 50 and then the playoff loss to Seattle. Do the Seahawks still see this in that same vein? It's not even close. No, absolutely not. Just what we experienced in 2012 to 2015 is something that will go down in history books as one of the greatest times in football. You just talk about the players that you guys had with Frank Gore and uh, Navarro Bowman, Justin Smith, just the list goes on with what you guys had. And we had a legendary defense ourselves with Legion of Boom. And so these guys are coming. I, I do believe that um, and maybe in the future it could come back to it, but absolutely not. We, I lived through history and just how special that time was, the NFC Championship. Then the, the 49ers go to the Super Bowl the year before. We go to back-to-back Super Bowls. So two talented teams, two talented coaches. But right now, it's, it's not there yet. K.J. Wright, former Seahawk, member of the LOB on 95.7 The Game. Great to have your thoughts this week, K.J. Thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you. Okay, there he goes. K.J. Wright. Um, and, and I think that the, the tone that he strikes is the tone that we always hear going into a playoff game, which is that, sure, anything can happen. Uh, Pete Carroll's playing reverse psychology. These are the things that need to happen. But you even hear the yeah, but in, in, in the back of his mind. Right. And so you're right. It's an oblong ball, and it could rain, and it's the playoffs, and it's a rookie quarterback. Uh, but of, of all the different scenarios that could play out this weekend, feels to me like about 90-something percent of them lead to a 49er win. 95 to yeah. 100%, I, w- I would say. And the only thing that I think about would be is if the Niners were minus three in the turnover differential. Mm. If they're only minus two, they can still win this football game. If the Niners turn it over five times <laughs> and they only get two turnovers back yeah. or if it's they turn it over three times even if they turn it over three times and Seattle doesn't turn it over I still feel good about their chances in that they could limit Seattle to field goals yeah. in those instances I, I agree with you and actually the thought that went through my head is if they're minus three in turnovers you already have a problem because they turned it over three times right. like they should not 
uh, I think a good offense that's making good decisions, and Brock Purdy has certainly done that, doesn't turn the ball over three times. Now, maybe you're talking about rain and fumbling, but they, 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 they've got to, you know, they've got to be prepared for that. They've got to not do that. They've got to know that you got to hold on a little extra tight in the rain. Turnovers are also based on where you do them, not just if you do them, but where on the field you do them. Like, for instance, that Raider game, Purdy threw the pick. And it was a great pick. It was a really great play by the defender, but it was also a downfield throw. Like, one thing I've noticed about Brock Purdy, uh, we like a lot of what we've seen, but I really love when he chooses and how he chooses to take a risk. In fact, even go back to one of his first interceptions in the league was fourth down situation, throw a jump ball down the field, and if it gets picked off, it works as a punt. And so it'll go down in the books as like, oh, Brock Purdy threw a pick. But it's like, yeah, but that one, that's not going to kill you. You throw the ball down the field, it ends up just being a punt. And he did throw that pick against the Raiders in the midst of trying to engineer a comeback. And it didn't stop the comeback from happening. So I'm with you on that. They can survive one. They might even be able to survive two. Right. Three for me, that's the uh, the opposite of the magic number. They've turned it over 17 times in 17 games. Yeah. And I, according to my math, that's one a game. Uh, you're good at this. And do you know where they rank in terms of giveaway, takeaway, uh, turnover margin in the National Football League? They've got to be, like, first of all, teams, you end up in the playoffs based often on this stat. And I, so I got to think they're a top seven team. Number one. Number one. Yes. Yeah. Plus 13 yep. on the year. They've taken 30. That's the deal. They've given 17. And if you look at the, the teams, all the teams that are above water in this ranking, Niners, Cowboys, Eagles, all playoff teams, Lions and Patriots are next, and they were right on the cusp of it. Then it's Bengals, Jaguars, Chargers, Ravens, all playoff teams. Steelers, another team winning record on the cusp. Giants, playoff team. Packers were right there. Then it's the Vikings, the Seahawks. Then the Bills are at zero. All those teams have a winning record, Mark, and it's not a coincidence. There it is. I mean, if you ask Kyle Shanahan what he wants, first and foremost, out of his quarterback, it's not turn the ball over. Right. And I can't think, by the way, and Kyle, maybe you got this, someone on the top of your head. Hey, Kyle. How many times have they lost a fumble since Purdy took over? He's thrown three picks since he took over as the starter. So that's only three turnovers in the six games. How many fumbles have they lost during that time? Brock hasn't lost any. Brock's lost none. That I know. I feel like the team the team is doing a better job in the second half of the season. First half of the season, there's some fumbles I can really remember. Debo in the red zone in Chicago week one. Debo on the play, he got hurt. He fumbled. He fumbled there. Okay. but it I feels- mean, how could you when your entire leg's about to fall off? He only right. missed three games. Injury wasn't that bad. Hold yep. on to the football. Okay. Wow. <laughs> what did I tell you, Cal? <laughs> they fumbled eight times. They've lost eight fumbles all year. On the year. On Correct. the year. Yes. On the year. So, I, I, like, I can't think of more than one or two in the, uh, in the Purdy party. So you're talking, I think, about less than one turnover a game since Purdy took over. And, and look, with this roster, if you average less than a turnover a game, let me tell you where this is going. Glendale. Yes. That's where it's going. So that's the deal. And so I'm with you totally there. And that's why 
I would submit to you that weather does come into this conversation. Like, for those of you who are listening to uh, a, a very hot moment with Steiny and Goo yesterday. It was hot! Over whether or not weather should be called an equalizer. Steiny was damn near, if not offended, by the idea that 49er fans would worry about weather. He's like, you've got the better defense. You've got the better run game. You've got home field. What on earth are you worried about? It should help you. He was saying, so wait raining. a minute. You're telling me that the team with the best run game <laughs> and the best defense is worried about a sloppy track? Hit the pipe. Right. We got a good hit the pipe. Come on. Now, he's right. However, where, where it can become an equalizer is simply because now you've not just got an oblong ball, but a wet one. And and that can lead to not Brock Purdy throwing terrible throws, but it can certainly lead to a ball bouncing off of a receiver's chest plate and turning into a pick six. Please. It can lead to a fumble <laughs> in your own red zone by your running back. And if you do that at the wrong time and in the wrong game situation, yeah, it can flip a game. So that's true for the Seahawks, too. I don't think it's an equalizer. I think the 49ers are a 10-point favorite no matter what the hell's going on in the skies. That's what I think. But... It, it it does lead to a higher chance of slippies, sloppy stuff going slippy, on. Slippy, sloppy. Slippy, sloppy. Yeah. Right? Slippy, slippy, sloppy. sloppy. And this is where, I, and I was listening yesterday, too, and I was kind of on Team Guru because, and this is why I asked KJ Wright that, uh, because when you get <laughs> a sloppy field, the sloppy turnover takes away from the team that should be more dominant. Yes. Now, it's not to say that the better team all of a sudden is going to fumble more because it's a sloppy field. But a sloppy field, I think, brings the overall level of the game down and it allows the underdog to maybe get a fluky thing to go their way because in, in a sloppy game, a sloppy field situation, a loose ball is more likely. Here's the thing, though. What I also think in weather is you get an advantage when you're the team that is more buttoned up. And if I was really going to use a phrase to describe what I've seen from the 49ers since Purdy came in, is, man, they look buttoned up. Yeah. They look like they know what they're doing. They look like they have a plan. They look like they executed. Have you noticed that not just the turnovers have gone down, so have the penalties? I know Hufanga still got a face mask here and there. But if you go back to the Chicago game, it wasn't just missed assignments on defense. It was... A, a, a total uh, lack of discipline on defense, out-of-bounds hits, late hits, like all of that stuff that kept coming from the defense. That's lessened as well, and Purdy's got nothing to do with that. That's usually on the defensive side of the ball. So to me, it looks like a very mature football team right now, and and that, that not only helps you in the playoffs, that helps you, I think, when it starts raining. Yes, and I think the, the whole idea about giveaways is so important to every team, but especially this team. The 49ers have played four games this season in which they've turned the ball over two or more times. Do you know what their record is in those four games, Mark? Okay, four games where they've turned it over two, two or, or more, more times. times. Well, they definitely, let's see, they turned it over two or more times in Chicago. So That's that a was, loss. That was one of them. Uh, let me think, and I won't look up the stat, but I'm just, let's see. Did they turn it over more than, more than once against the Chiefs? Um, mm -hmm. I was in the record in those four games, I'm going to say is uh, one and three. Oh, and four, Mark. Oh, God. They turned it over Are thrice. Are you serious? Thrice against Denver. They lost 11 to 10. They turned it over three times against Atlanta. 
in a two-touchdown loss. They turned it over three times against Kansas City. You got motorboated by three touchdowns. So you just felt that's the elixir. There's the magic right there. 11 turnovers in four games, six turnovers total. In the other in 13. The, in the 13 wins. Yeah. So if they turn it over two or more times, they're 0-4. If they turn it over one or less, they're 13-0. and 0. Yes. All right. Uh, hey, kid, hold on to the ball. Pretty much, That's right? what I'd say. And, and I'd you say, look at, hold and, on to the ball. And you look at those games against Chicago, you were a minus one. Against Denver, you were a minus three Jeez. in turnover differential. And lost by one point. Minus three against Atlanta, turnover differential, minus one against Kansas City. That's the only time where you've been underwater in terms of your turnover difference. That's incredible. And that's why Kyle Shanahan freaks out about it so much. Don't turn the ball over. Um, and look, you know, Purdy, three picks since he came in and probably three that he's gotten away with. So it's not like that's not within the repertoire. Right. It absolutely is. Hell, he threw one right to the Seattle backer uh, in Seattle and lucked out. It got dropped. And then there was even the one, um, you know, against uh, against Vegas where the duck went flying up into the air and Ayuk went and got it. Yeah, luckily, but fortunate. that could have been, right? So that could have changed But the other big everything. part of this is the defense has become much more greedy in terms of takeaways. First eight games, the Niners' defense had nine takeaways. Since that time, they've been a takeaway machine. Yeah, Deshaun Gibson feels like he's had seven picks in the last <laughs> exactly. two games. Exactly. I mean, that's what it feels like right now. Just camping under these Aaron throws. Totally, totally. I'll st- I'll never forget almost fainting when he caught that ball in in, in Vegas. <laughs> I've I never. Mean, you I've saw never it. You saw so that, that thing. Well, again, yeah. When you're looking at it from an all twenty two angle, the minute Stidham let it go, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's fly ball to center field, and Gibson's the center fielder. He's the only one underneath it. But as he caught it, you know, you had the, the the Robbie Gold PTSD kick in, and I wanted him to go. I wanted him to go for six. I wanted to like end the game, and I started jumping and screaming and jumping and screaming and jumping and screaming. I swear, I almost passed out. <laughs> there, there had been a couple beers too. So, uh, but only Look a couple. Oh, you. Well, you know, I mean, when in Vegas, right? You gotta get after it a little. Couple bit. beers yeah, for you. That's, I, mean, I mean, that's going deep. I right really, there. really lost myself, Dibs. Yeah, I had two. Getting after yeah. it, kid. Oh yeah. my god, it was wild. I might have even had a cocktail the night before. Tell you what, Man. I am a rebel. Eight 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 nine five seven nine five seventy. That is our number. Your phone calls now. There's also this. I called my guy. Speaking of Vegas, I called my guy last night. I gave him a call. I said, "Hey, help me with a bet." And it wasn't even a bet, but it was a conversation between the four of us yesterday. Steiny, you, me, Goo, we're all sitting here. Oh. Now, Steiny made the point the day before the 49ers are becoming the team in the NFL, showing you that quarterback is not the most important position for them. It is for everybody else. So I said, look. And I tried to walk out of the room and do a walk-off, but no one agreed with me, so I came back. (laughs) I said, look, if there's any one 49er who could be knocked out of this game, announced as out tomorrow afternoon that would change the spread in the game. The biggest change would be Brock Purdy. So, yes, he, even in the face of Trent Williams, Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle, and more, he is the most important player on the field coming up this Saturday. I called Vegas. I tried to confirm my point, And Vegas came back with a, hmm, and a, huh. huh. So... I got the answer for you coming up next. Postseason begins now. 
Road to Glendale brought to you by Merrill Credit Union. Working for oh. you today, tomorrow, together. Also get geared up for the playoffs right now at 95.7 The Game. Shop.com, relevant shirts, DPOY shirts, all of it. It's at 95.7 The Game, shop.com. Thank you, Matt, all the way out in Charlotte, who just bought a relevant T-shirt. And it's Warrior Wednesday brought to you by Freedman's Appliance, a trusted name since 1922. Visit freedmansappliance.com today. We'll get to your calls next. The Good Doc is next hour as well on Willard and Dibs. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 